Good morning, and welcome to our service, uh, virtual service for Blackman Baptist Church. Thank you so much for attending this morning. And uh, let's start with prayer, please. Father, we thank you for allowing us this time to meet together, the technology to do this. Father, your word is true no matter how it comes to us, and so we're thankful that we have this ability. Lord, as we look at you commissioning us today, I pray that uh, we would take this deep into our heart, that it wouldn't just be information, but that it would be something that we would act upon. And I ask this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so today we uh, are in two books of the Bible for our focal purpose or uh, passage. And that would be Matthew chapter 28, if you want to find that, and then Acts chapter 1. So I give you just a moment to find those two. Matthew 28, we'll start in verse 18. And then Acts 1, we'll start in verse 8. And this is what it says. <clears throat> Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Then Acts 1, starting in verse 8, we'll skip verse 9. Verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So today, uh, I have three sections, um, pieces of information that I want to concentrate on. The first is the commission. That was what was given to the disciples by Jesus. The second is the promise, also given to the disciples. And the third is the failing. Why don't we carry out the Great Commission? So let's start with uh, the first section, the commission. We notice in Matthew that uh, Jesus gave four very specific actions that we were to take. The first was to go, which is simply just to get up and to begin making progress there. We're to go, therefore, and the second is to make, to make disciples. That insinuates... uh, that people have come to know Christ as part of that discipleship uh, process. But we are to go and we're to make disciples and we're to do that of all the nations, not not Israel, uh, not our own hometown here, uh, any particular limitation on that. We're to go all over the world to do that. And if there's one thing we should understand from the pandemic that we've been uh, experiencing here, that is how quickly the entire world can be affected by something. The third thing that we were commissioned to do is to baptize. And that seems um, 
perhaps a little, uh, a little strange in this. As Baptist uh, denomination, we realize that baptism is not what saves you, that it's an outward sign of what's already occurred in our life. But he, Jesus, very specifically says that as we're making disciples, we're to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's because in order to be a true child of God, we have to be open about that. There are no secret Christians. Um, There are no secret service within the Christian faith. We are all foot soldiers. We're all frontline people. And uh, God expects us when we believe in his son, Jesus Christ, to make that public. That's why we put such a focus on baptism. That's why we want people to publicly state that uh, they are, in fact, a follower of Jesus Christ. And the fourth thing that he commanded the disciples to do was to teach, to obey. He was to teach others to obey the same things they had been taught to obey, especially this commission. Uh, That's why we have Sunday school, and I'll stop and give a plug for that. If you don't attend Sunday school, I really and strongly recommend that you do because that's how we learn not so much to be a Christian. We, we had that explained to us, and we believed on Jesus Christ as our Savior. But teaching helps us equip the next person down the line, that next person that needs to share with somebody else. That's an important part of what we do. So when we teach people, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded, Jesus said, when we do that, we are creating a new disciple. Uh, it's a part of the process, and it's a key part, and it's one of the reasons I'm so thankful that our church has Sunday school. We have uh, community groups where we meet. We also study the Bible there, but it's more about being social, and it's more about our prayer time and how we pray for others. But the real focus of our church on teaching and learning how to be a Christian is through the Sunday school, and I'm very thankful for that. I hope uh, if you haven't been attending that you would do that. Uh, I think it'll make you not only a better Christian, but it'll help you to equip others to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second area that I wanted to talk about uh, today that out of this scripture is the promises that Christ gave in these scriptures. He gave them to the disciples, and they are also true of us. The first one is, he said, I have all authority in heaven and and on earth. So that's a promise we can build on. This is not someone who's telling us uh, things to do that has no authority and no knowledge of that. Jesus has all authority uh, to instruct us to carry out the Great Commission. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, A lot of people want to tell us what to do that have little or no authority in those areas. Uh, And yet Jesus has all authority, and this is what he's told us. So that promise that he gives, that he has all authority, that's important for us. Uh, The second thing under his promises, the second promise that he gives is that I'll be with you always. And uh, and that that is critical. We're never going to be left alone. We're never going to be in this battle, this this commission that we've been given that's made us a soldier uh, in God's army, we're never going to be abandoned in that. And uh, that's, that is so crucial that we know that. That gives us the power. It enables us 
to carry on when things are hard, and they will be hard. And uh, so that promise that he gave to the disciples and also to us is that he is always going to be with us. And he carried that out. He carries that out both personally and through the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we won't talk a lot about that in this particular uh, sermon, but that's, that's an important part of the verses that we're reading. And then the third promise that he made is that he, would, he was coming back. And uh, he tells us that this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back. We're not, again, abandoned. Uh, he is going. He still cares about this place we live, this earth we live on, and he is coming back, and he's going to take us with him. Uh, as Pastor Kevin said in the Sunday school hour, uh, he's gone to prepare a place for us, and he, because he did that, he's coming back to get us. And uh, so that's, that's a powerful part. So given that we have this commission that we're to carry out, and also that we've been given these promises about authority and him never leaving us and all that, why is it, do you think, that we have such a difficult time uh, carrying out this, uh, this scripture which we've entitled the, the Great Commission? Why is it difficult for us to do this? Uh, we talked a little bit about that in, um, in our Sunday school hour, and there were a lot of different reasons that we've all, uh, probably if you've been in church much, you've heard. But I wanted to, to focus on uh, three things within this, this group here. First is we don't know how awful hell will be. And it's interesting that Jesus spoke more about hell than anybody else in the entire Bible did. He spoke and made more references to hell and its existence uh, than anyone else. In Matthew 13, starting in verse 40, uh, we see, we hear this about hell. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And in in Revelation chapter 14 is even a more graphic picture of what the start of this process is going to be like. Uh, Really graphic and the thing to remember as I read this is that this suffering that, that is going to come, uh, it's never going to end for the people who die without a relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's look at Revelation fourteen, seventeen, and then we'll go all the way through verse 20. It says this, Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, the altar who has authority, the angel who has authority over the fire. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung a sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Key there is the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 184 miles. 
This is just giving us an idea of how terrible hell is going to be and what that process is going to be like. A just God cannot allow uh, sin in his presence. And so there is, uh, there is a punishment for those who don't, aren't covered by the, the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And that's the first point I would say. Why don't we reach out? Well, we really just don't understand just how terrible hell is going to be. If we did, we would not want anyone that we know to be there. The second thing is, uh, and it's the polar opposite, and that is we don't really understand how wonderful heaven's going to be. Um, let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture as we talk about that. 1 Corinthians 2, if you want to find that, we'll read verses um, 7 through 9. And it says this, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understand, understood this, For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, that's what God has prepared for those who love him. So it is better than anything we've ever seen, anything we've ever heard, or anything we could have possibly ever imagined. That's how wonderful heaven's going to be. Revelation again, but this time in chapter 22, says this, starting in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of this of the tree were for the healing of the nations, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So there we have a picture of of what heaven really will be like. Uh, There's much more written in the scriptures about uh, what it's going to be like after Christ returns and and takes his church uh, and all that that flows around that. And it it paints a picture that I believe as humans we've had a difficult time even describing because of the level of wonder and amazement that will come with that. So we don't reach out sometimes because we really don't understand how uh, awful hell is going to be and we really don't understand how wonderful heaven's going to be. Otherwise, we would want no one in hell and everyone in heaven. But the third point I would make there is that we don't realize what the Holy Spirit can do with a willing disciple. So I created a little, um, just a little fun thing to do here. And um, some of you may have seen this before and some of you may not, but it it's amazing, uh, has to do with the ex- exponential nature of, of mathematics. But I've got a checkerboard here, or chessboard. It has 64 squares on it. And we'll let this, this particular square here will be the first one 
and we'll go across. And then this will be the last one. That's number 64 right here. So I'll take you through an example uh, that speaks to what one, the power of one is when it gets multiplied out. So space number one, I'll use kernels of corn. And uh, I don't know if we've zoomed out yet or not, but if uh, you'll notice I have some visual aids here. And uh, so I'm going to take a piece of corn and I'll put it on that first square. And uh, I'll ask you to think of this as yourself. And so if we, if we spend one entire year and all we do within that year is reach one person uh, with the gospel of Christ uh, and train them, in other words, the Great Commission, we're to reach, we're to go into all the nations, we're to reach people, and we're to make disciples, we're to train them, we're to see that they're baptized. So this is you. This is year number one, and you spend that entire year doing nothing but reaching one person for the gospel of Jesus Christ and teaching them his commandments, especially the Great Commission. Then in year two, there's you, and there's the person that you reached in year one. And now you are still trained to reach somebody uh, for the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make a disciple and now he or she is trained to do the same thing. So you both spend a year, and you reach people for Christ, just one person, each of you. Then in the third year, you have yourself and the person that you won last year, and you have the person you won the year before, that person and the person he won this year. And so now you have four, all right? I'll do this one more time because you're starting to get the picture. We take another year of each of these four winning one person. And so we end up with now eight people who are believers and are equipped to reach uh, another person in that year for Christ. And so it's not addition, it's and it's not even multiplication, it's exponential. So we're doubling every time. That's the capability of this model. Remember, you're one person, you start as one person reaching out to one other person uh, and teaching them to be a disciple. So I was going to ask, and we're not on Zoom, I don't know if there's a way for you to comment, and probably not time, but I would ask you, since we're Zoomed out, this is a, a one-quart um, what do you call those things? Measuring cup. One quart measuring container here. So that has one quart in it. Do you think when I finish doubling on every one of these 64 squares, do you think this four quart will take care of that? Or I'm sorry, one quart will take care of that of corn? Do you think this two gallon container of corn would take care of that? Or do you think it would take this five-gallon bucket of corn to actually complete this doubling. Or here we have a bushel. So a bushel is about 59 pounds of shelled corn. That makes one bushel by weight. So these two bags together would make about a bushel. Do you think it would take this much corn 
to continue doubling and get to the 64th square on the checkerboard. Or for you skeptics out there, and I don't know that you can see this very well, but this is a picture of a semi-tractor trailer that is completely full of kernels of corn. So that's like you would see a, a semi going down the street. There's a, um, that's a trailer full of shelled corn. So for the skeptics, maybe you think it would take that much. Um, so actually none of those are even close. It gets, uh, it, it's hard to believe, but let me give you a few milestones here. So this, this equals about a bushel, okay? So a bushel has about 90,000 kernels of corn in it, so about 90,000. And uh, so that's about what's in these two bags, a piece of a bag and a whole bag here. So it would take, if each one of these is a year, it would take us 17 years, okay, so that's about here, that's here, 17, 17 years, to, for this model to reach 90,000 people. That's a lot, 90,000. Can you imagine if you, this is you, were to be able to, in 17 years, be responsible for 90,000 people coming to know Christ. That would be pretty amazing. But it only gets bigger and bigger. So 90,000 people would know Christ, or at least have heard and shared Christ by the 17th year. 90,000. On the 20th year, that number is over 1 million. Three years after that, 1 million. Now, if you jump 10 more years up to year 30, that is your first billion of people who have come to know Christ. By the way, if you go to three more years over, so if you were to go here, that would cover the entire world's population as we know it today, which is 7.8 billion people. That would be over 8 billion people here at year 33. If we just go to year 40, that's when we get to 1 trillion, so a little over 1 trillion people at year 40. If we jump another 10 years to 50, year number 50, that is where we reach 1 quadrillion, 1 quadrillion people. And if we go to year 60, that is under this model where you get to 1 quintillion people, by the time you get to 64, you have 100, or you have 18 quintillion, 446 quadrillion, 744 trillion, 73 billion, 709 million, 600,000 people. Well, we don't have that many people, at least not yet, but you see the model that goes, and really the purpose I'm trying to to get across to you is that one person makes a difference when you follow the Great Commission, which is not just to share Jesus with someone. It involves that absolutely. But it's to teach and train them to share Jesus with someone else. So that's a, that's a critical part. And just because I like numbers, um, I told you that in one bushel, by weight, there's about 90,000 kernels of corn. Um, in 
uh, in a metric ton, so if we want to do a metric ton, that would be about 39.4 of these bushels would make the weight of one metric ton. The number of metric tons produced across the entire world of corn every year is uh, a billion, 90 million metric tons. So this model, by the time you get to year 64, the number we have here of grains of corn equals uh, 4,773 years of world production of corn. So it's a powerful model, and it is actually the model that Christ gave the disciples um, when he gave them the Great Commission. This is exactly the model he gave them. So as we finish up here, I would simply ask you to do this. Remember that um, you can have a a major difference as you reach out uh, for the kingdom of Christ. Let's, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us this time. We thank you for the love that uh, you've shared with us. We thank you for this model that you've given us uh, to show us that each of us can, can have a profound difference for your kingdom. Words in Christ's name.